Hi, how's it going, everybody? I'm Eric Panecki. I'm David Choi. And I'm John Labretti. And welcome to the Deals and Dollars podcast. The three of us are real estate executives in the New York City metro area. Every week, we bring on the best real estate investors and entrepreneurs we know to talk about how they made it in the business, how they source their deals, and most importantly, how they make their dollars. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. All right, let's get into it. Let's ride! Adam Devine, welcome to the show. Adam is the co-founder of Perch Rock Management. It's a nationwide acquisitions and wholesale company. Um, he's also the owner of Dorrance Realty, a licensed brokerage in six states. Adam owns a large multifamily rental portfolio and has done over 500 transactions in his career. He's only 30 years old and lives in Hamden, Connecticut. Adam, it's an honor to have you on the show, brother. How are you doing today? Dude, doing great, brother. David, always a pleasure, man. I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to rocking and rolling with you. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. You're always a you're always a blast to hang out with when we get together. So uh, it's about time we had you on, Adam. Why don't we just jump right into it, brother? What what's your story, man? How did you get started in real estate, and, and where are you now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so back in 2016, I'm finishing up school and finished, played hockey my whole life. So always been competitive, always been a team guy. Realized I wasn't cut out for corporate America and wanted to just take a different path. <laughs> I saw something on Instagram on wholesaling. I'm like, oh, this is this seems too good to be true. How do I get into this? So I get going into it. Uh, right when I finish up school, I reach out to who is my business partner now. I send Bob Lachance a Facebook message because I saw so he was a local guy doing a lot of stuff. Reached out, no response. All right, screw it. I'll start doing stuff on my own. I'm running around, <clears throat> kind of falling my face doing wholesale. Um, him and I stayed in touch. One day I got him on, on the ice, funny enough story, refing his son's hockey game, and he's swearing up me up and down the ice. they got to be winning like 9-1 <laughs> to one after the first period. And I'm looking, I'm like, who is this coach? I'm like, oh, it's LaChance. Now, I've played men's league against Bob, knew he was, what he brought to the table, and I'm like, you know, typical, you know, hockey guy. So game finishes up, doesn't shake my hand. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's, uh, let's play this one out. I put the nets up, get ready for my last game. I'm like, do I go up to him? He didn't respond to my message. I said, you got nothing to lose. I said, hey, excuse me, coach. He's like, yeah, what? I'm like, hey, are you Bob Chance from Fortune Builders? And his face drops and shakes my hand. And from that point on, we stayed in touch, met with him a couple times, brought me on with Riva Global, uh, ran the sales floor there for a few years, um, ended up getting fired from that by Bob. Funny story. Uh, <laughs> asked for uh, 50% ownership of the company right uh, after the moment he had a bit of a partnership breakup. So for anyone out there, definitely take your shot. It may not work out in the interim, but in the long run, him and I at the end of that year became business partners here with Perch. And uh, you know where we're at today, uh, we're looking to do projected around 235 to 240 wholesale this year. So that's, wow. uh, that's how I got my start. Uh, my, my advice to anyone there is uh, you know, take your shot in life. You never know where it can go. Awesome. Wow. Wow, that's a crazy story. I know Bob. He's a hell of a guy. <laughs> one, one, one of a kind. One of a kind, definitely. So, so you, you um, how long has it been since you started Perch Rock Management? We launched Perch right around the end of nineteen, right before COVID uh, in twenty twenty. We had looked at each other, said, "Hey, it's it's time to ramp this thing and, and turn it into a business." And 
that's exactly what we did. We, we hit the ground running. We were buying rentals. We were doing fix and flip. We had a lot of stuff going on and then kind of had a, a coming to moment where it's like, hey, we need to look at where our most profitable that, uh, verticals are in our business, which was mm-hmm. wholesale. Uh, what were we mm-hmm. best at? And kind of being honest, you know, everybody gets that shiny object. They want to do wholesale, fix and flip, Airbnbs, rentals, lending. And you know, before you know it, you kind of suffocate your own business because you can't yeah. pick one avenue. Dan- dialed it back, got really, really focused and integrated to scaling the wholesale side. And, and that's what's allowed us to get where we are today from that that startup phase to the scaling moments to then being able to systemize that group core and then grow on it. Got it. Got it. That's incredible that you're you're on track to do 200 plus deals this year. That's unbelievable. Um and and we kind of went through the same thing on on our end. We were we were brokering, we were lending, we were wholesaling, we were doing the rentals, the fix and flips and like you said it just became like it was a shotgun approach, whereas um, the best guys are laser focused. They're a sniper, right? And the moment we said, you know what, we're going to lock in and wholesale for this year only, and we're just going to build out the systems and automate this building, uh, this this business is is when all the other 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 verticals became easy to grow because you finally build out the systems for one, right? Instead of doing every everything under the sun. Um, I know that we right before this call we we're talking about innovation and innovation is something that some of the largest wholesale companies are starting to transition into, and I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to talk to you about kind of like how you got started doing innovations, uh, the struggles that you you uh, you went through there, and and where you are now with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, innovation is definitely a game changer when you get it all dialed in. Uh, back in 2020, when COVID hit. Bob was on a all hands on deck call with CG and he had mentioned to me after the call, he's like, dude, Kava just presented on innovations. We need to look into this. Now, he's like a no brainer, right? You're going to bring your deals to MLS and be able to expose it to the entire market. Um, and it's a big shout out to Frank as well as Eric Brewer, who were a part of his, his training. And he, for anyone looking to get into that, should get going and look into his program. Um, just he has it dialed in. But for us, we had been doing this uh, right around that time after we heard about it. There was someone who was really close in our network doing these, and he'd been doing them from years in our backyard. We had no idea. Hmm. Uh, saw in the MLS, he was a, he was doing it when we'd look at the notes. Uh, we'd reached out to him, figured, hey, how could we learn? How could we work together? Uh, started doing some stuff with him, and from there, we got some traction, kind of wrapped our brains around it, and have been in cranking since. You're going to run into challenges if you don't have a good team, a good TC, a good acquisitions person, a good attorney in attorney states, because these can get very hairy and have a lot of red tape. Even in title states, you need to be able to communicate and articulate what that process is. But again, this is a team transaction. If you think you're going to be a one-man show doing novations, wish you best of luck. You're not going to be able to do it. So uh, we definitely cut our teeth throughout the process, finding who are the right attorneys, who is the right capital partner for someone looking to close on that deal. Uh, Lender-specific, some of these deals come in from Rocket Loans or one of the national mortgage providers that if you have two eyes, nose, and a throat, you're pre-approved. That buyer can very well fall apart before the closing table. You would probably never want to do business with that lender again. So you know, knowing your market, knowing the players, the partners, it's inevitable. And, and the better you get and the more deals you fail at, uh, I think the more you're going to succeed long-term doing the innovation type transaction. Adam, can you kind of just 
we could take a step back and just kind of explain to the audience what innovation is versus a wholesale. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to summarize it up, a novation is a substitution or replacement of a purchase agreement for another. So let's say Adam Buyer comes to you, David Seller. We have an agreement in place with the option there to then rescind that agreement or substitute that with a secondary purchase agreement. And that agreement comes in. We act with a release agreement to get these done to protect our fee. And then that party C would go to you, party B, to close that transaction. Whereas in a wholesale agree, uh, deal, ourselves would go to you, David, we would contract, and then we would assign what currently is in place. So the difference is a purchase agreement that gets assigned versus one that gets substituted with a subsequent agreement. Right, right. And the beauty about novations is <clears throat> you can not only, like with a, with a wholesale, with an assignment, you can only sell to certain buyers, um, buyers that are all coming in all cash or they're coming in with a non-QM commercial lender, they'll finance that, that wholesale fee or the assignment fee. Whereas novations, because the, the fee isn't actually coming on the buyer side of the HUD or is not being paid by the buyer, but, but it's actually being paid on the seller side of the HUD, um, you could the bank it now it opens up to agency lenders like uh, Freddie and Fannie who will finance the entire novation fee, right? And so you get regular guys that are looking for the first home. They could be your buyers on these off-market transactions, whereas on assignments you could only you could only sell to maybe twenty percent of the buying power in, in the um, in your market. So it really it really not only opens up the amount of buyers that will buy your deals, but how much money you could actually make on. And so uh, we're actually pivoting to that business model now. And quite frankly, a lot, a lot of it had to do with that, that drink that we were having at the bar uh, <laughs> at the last CG. If we, if we didn't get together and you were telling me that most of your business has turned into Novate, I don't think I would have had such a strong urgency to, to transition my business. And already just in two weeks of doing it, uh, hiring Eric Brewer, taking his course, uh, we already have three of these under contract ready to, ready to take on the market. So it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. For sure. And I know you guys have such a dialed in process there being one of the biggest players in New Jersey and more importantly, having the call center. So your, your operations is really focused in for you to scale that, um, you know, just from our conversation. So really excited to hear, uh, you know, we're out in Phoenix, the amount of traction you're going to get from it. But one of the things that we really like most about that novation process is that the difference between a wholesale novation is in a wholesale deal, you're bringing that to your VIP buyers, which means brokerages get cut out, agents get cut out, and, and buyers get cut out. So they don't really get a chance to those deals. The novation process, one, is significantly more clear and transparent with the seller. So they know what's going on versus, hey, you know, you assign my property. That conversation takes place up front. More importantly, every brokerage now gets a shot at that opportunity. It'll generate money for a brokerage. It'll generate money for an agent. It'll actually generate a higher profit um, at the closing table. The seller will most likely get more money because novations typically are able to be acquired for higher dollars. So everybody wins with a novation. And I think it'll be really a bigger push in the future seeing more companies and it being more opened up in the um, retail space. So hopefully uh, the real estate agent side and, and NAR can come hand in hand and work together with investors for there to be that cohesiveness for everybody to win in the future. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Uh, Adam, you're doing a lot, man. You, you, you've, you run into the company. You, you got a couple of companies. You have six brokerages <laughs> across six different states. Um, you're doing a ton of deals. I mean, what's the secret sauce? What's the secret sauce? Well, it's one brokerage, six states. I, I wish I was that big, but <laughs> not there yet. Um, I think the secret sauce is it's consistency. It's doing the little things, uh, finding the right team. Right, This isn't something you're going to be able to do on your own. Uh, if you could find the right partner, the person to align with, and then they have that same vision, that same outcome, whether you're a visionary and they're an integrator, vice versa, being able to get that strong concrete foundation and grow on it. Uh, and again, it's the little things. It's not what you're doing today. It's what you're doing on Sunday at two o'clock. It's what you're doing Friday night at six, uh, Saturday afternoon. Are you out drinking with your buddies or are you helping put together the next pieces in your business to go to the next level? Are you going to masterminds like Collective Genius? Or are you just sitting there on Facebook groups complaining and saying all those guys are frauds? So whatever you could do, you have to constantly continue to grow and do what's going to allow you to get to that next level. Uh, secret sauce, I mean... We're not we're not the sharpest tools in the shed, man. We're not we're not the IQ guys here. I'm not a, a 2400 SAT guy. You know, we're, we're, we're hardworking <laughs> blue collar guys that show up hard hat lunch pail every day. I'd say our skill set is selling. We're able to acquire deals very good. That's what our skill set is. Bob does a fantastic job on the marketing end. So sales and marketing is our strength, and is definitely one of our strongest points there to help us Beautiful. get to where we're at. Love to hear that. There's a, you know there's a lot going on. In the, in the current economic environment, right? Interest rates are going up. A lot of buyers are backing out of contracts. Buying power is dropping. I mean, where do you see the market going and, and what are you doing right now to pivot your business so you're, you're, you're kind of getting ahead of the curve? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And that was something that was chatted about at our, our last meeting. I think the biggest thing you could do, or at least for us personally, is to just figure out what is going to be your long-term strategy. Where do you see your company going and then being able to weather those variables or the forecast that changes, right? The cycle's turning. What are you doing to position yourself today to be prosperous tomorrow? Uh, yeah, it's kind of the old adage by John Wooden, uh, uh, preparing to fail is failing to prepare. So if you're doing six or seven things, Make sure you have it dialed in, whether you're going very deep doing those six or seven things, or if you're doing one thing and you're going wide, have a process in place and be able to rein back uh, if markets tighten up or have a strategy for things tighten up. Who is your end buyer? Who, who is going to be your tenant? How are you raising capital? How are you refining? Whatever your strategy is, have those processes in place so that when this stuff occurs, you're ready to now take action on that next cycle in the business. Got it. Got it. Now, it seems like you're taking a lot. Last time I spoke to you, you said you just dumped, you just dumped a large portfolio, right? You just sold off a good chunk of your rentals. Um, it, are you, are you right now, are you looking to cash up, stay cash heavy, stay transactional? Um, or are you, are you looking to acquire and uh, build a rental portfolio? What's, what's, what's the move for you? Right now we're staying very cash heavy. We're going to see what occurs. Rates going to six and a half, seven and a quarter. Um, who knows what that would be like two to three to five months from now if we acquire an asset, even at a grand slam price, that rate could crush what it is we're, we're looking to achieve for our cash flow. And I get it. Some people say, hey, well, my numbers work. They work and it's a great strategy for us. We're going to stay disciplined 
and resilient on focusing in on what we said we're going to do today so that when we look back three, six months from now, we could say that we stuck to our focus. Uh, so that's going to be stacking capital. And, and if we look back and we sold a good deal off to someone else, we'll at least be able to say we put a, a seizable amount of capital in our pocket. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's tough, man. It's tough to say no to good rentals, right? We have a we have a seven unit. We started this quarter saying, no, we're not buying anything this quarter. We're wholesaling everything. We're flipping everything, novating everything. Um, and then we had a 12 unit that we locked up and a seven unit that we locked up. And it's like, they're just in great locations. They look, you look at them and you're like, oh my God, that thing's a trophy. And so I'm sitting here in, in my office with Eric and Eric's like, can't this just be our last one? <laughs> can't, can't we just make this the last one we buy it for the year? I was like, ah, well, yeah. Fine. For you guys that are buying assets, you know, 15, 20, 30 years from now playing the patience game, even if you bought at the wrong time and the wrong price, you hear a lot of veterans say, you're going to win. You're going to be the one on top because you played the game. And even at times we'll look back and say, man, we should have kept that rental. Oh, we should have got that duplex. Oh, we had a rate of 3.6 wide to sell. So, uh, you know, you, you live with your decisions. Uh, hopefully you learn from your decisions and then in the future you can uh, execute a little differently. We're still looking to acquire, like if we can get the right property. For me personally, even my own personal portfolio, I'm always looking to grow that. So the right deal comes, but I definitely want to put a precedent uh, for our whole company to continue to focus in on stacking capital and the uh, opportunity we still have in this window. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't blame you. I I think you, it's hard to stay disciplined, but if you can, you're, you're definitely putting yourself in the right position. Um, so your focus going into the 22 is stacking the capital, stacking the cash. So out of the 200, I say 250 deals that you're doing this year, what, what, what percent of them are wholesale? What percent of them are novations? Right now we're looking at Right around 80 to 85% will go that novation route, the way the market's going. There's far more FHA buyers than before. The conventional market's starting to dry up. Even a lot of the non-QM, private money, hard money buyers, we're seeing less because they don't want to pay what's still lacking demand, which is assets. So the prices haven't totally tipped off in our markets yet, but in terms of rates, these guys are starting to run their numbers differently. So yeah. we're doing all we can to go the novation route. That is the number one conversation and acquisition pitch that our reps have. If we can't, we look to go with the wholesale route. So we love controlling our assets when we resell them uh, wholesale. Again, you're going to have to leave some meat on the bone for the end guy. If we have to close and we know it's a good deal, we're still going to be able to trade. We may have to have our capital tied up a little bit longer, but you know, it's making more in that property than it would in our bank account. So, uh, and if it doesn't turn out, it goes 70% novation, then fine. You know, we're, we're still exercising our private lenders, our capital. And I think it's important to continue to keep that stuff in circulation. Uh, your private lenders, especially when the markets get tight, they're going to think of you as their number one go-to when things get strong again, because you're the person that continued to put money in their pocket. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, not to go too much into the nitty gritty here, but let's just say 70% of your deals, I don't know, 100, 150 transactions, 175 transactions. Um, how much are you making on average on these novations? Say about 27,000, 28,000. Got it. Nice. Some of these That's deals cute. are smaller. Some of them are bigger, but we're big on counting our chickens when they hatch. 
So, you know, <laughs> you may sign a deal that has a, a $92,000 spread, which we had recently, and that transacted at a, a much smaller price. I think we settled at around 51000 at the closing table. So you got to be prepared for the work that has to get done or anything else that comes up. And, you know, just be thankful that you're able to get these deals to the closing table. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a volume game. Don't get greedy. Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. Amen. Amen. Um, now, and, and whereas on the wholesale side, the, the remaining 30%, what do you typically make on those deals? Uh, on wholesale, usually we look to target a minimum of 35 net. Okay. So at the time after closing, paying our attorneys or any other fees, we're looking to try to do 35. Now, if we do 20 or 25, we're not going to cry over spoiled milk. It's still a W. But yep. we like to make sure there's some cushion there for conservation and just risk mitigation, knowing that, hey, we're not going to get stuck with something for four or five months and break even. Mm-hmm. And in the markets that you operate in, um, it's mostly in Connecticut. I mean, what's your average purchase price in that area? Connecticut, right now, we're, we're acquiring single family anywhere from, say, 85 to 200, depending on the markets. Wow. I and mean, again, you have your Fairfield County where asset prices are significantly higher. Then you can go into places such as New London, Norwich, Hartford, and you can acquire doors still sub 100. They're definitely not areas that you and I would want to live in, but people are buying those and keeping them as rentals or they're able to renovate and sell to a first-time home buyer. Multifamily, that stuff, you can't find anything sub 200 on MLS, duplexes. Uh, If you could find something off-market sub 200, it's going to trade. So when you get really dialed in on those numbers, you could figure out, hey, we got a deal at 150. It's a duplex and the back end is 240 and it needs 22K in work. That's a great wholesale deal. So. You know, knowing mm. your numbers is imperative and, you know, we're pretty happy we have that dialed in here in Connecticut. What I found was that like, um, on average in, at least in my markets, in the markets that we lend in the average wholesale fees, like 10 to 15% of the underlying contract price. Right. So in our markets where it's typically like 300 grand, our average fees anywhere from 30 to 45 grand. And so for you to be in a market where the average is, <laughs> is like 80 to 100, 150 to make 27 grand, those are some, those are some fat margins, dude. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity here for people to do well, for sure. Uh, I think we're going to start to see those get tightened more and more, but the opportunity is definitely there. There's more competition than before. So more people are getting into the space, whether it's newer wholesalers or landlords, fix and flip guys that decided, hey, we're going to start going after our own deals versus paying the wholesaler. So we're, we're sure to see that get tightened a bit. But these secondary tertiary markets is usually where you're able to get those bigger margins. Nice. Are you guys seeing the same thing in your market? Yeah, I mean things are definitely tightening up, right? Like some of the, some of our VIP guys are saying, "Ah, I'm, I think I think I'm going to sit on the sidelines for a little bit." Um, and on the retail side, where you know I think at a certain, at, at one point a couple months ago, like twenty percent of our contracts died and had to get resold. And so, um, I mean, we're not seeing any dramatic price decreases throughout the market. I mean, it's st- it stayed relatively stable, but. Um, but things are definitely staying on the market a little longer and things are getting a little harder to sell, especially the, um, the residential stuff, the single family stuff. Yeah. We're, we're seeing the same thing as well on our end. It's, it's predominantly becoming more and more VA, FHA, 203K. The, the cash conversion cycle is going up. It's not yep. decreasing. So 
that would be one thing that you discussed earlier, being able to weather that forecast and that change, uh, you have to prepare for it, right? Or have, yeah. have more capital to withstand a month or two of decreased profits or reduced profits. But knowing that those deals that you have all under FHA can end up dropping like a wave three to five months from now, and, and that's where you're going to get that return. So uh, know your numbers, know your market, and, and have a vision. So Adam... I, I, I'd love to l- learn like a little bit more about you and like, I mean, you're, you're like a, a incredible type A human being. Every time I see you, you're all jazzed up, ready to go. You're, I mean, you're a monster, dude. What, what is it that you do every morning that sets you apart? What's your morning routine look like? Yeah, I appreciate the compliment, brother. Five, seven, one fifty. I'll take it. <laughs> and I do all I can to keep up with you, man. It's uh, it's uh, mornings are it's wake up at, 5 30 get to the gym for six get a lift in and, and get to the office around seven eight o'clock and, and get to work right it's work out two minutes from my office i wake up i drive there i get my lift in and i'm religious about it tuesday monday tuesday thursday friday uh, it gets my day on the right foot it gets a workout in it gets my blood pumping get the heart going you feel that you accomplished something and then the days you miss Right, you you're, you got to hold yourself accountable. Are you going to go at night? Are you going to go on the mm. weekend? But that's just one little hack that I've used. Uh, Bob breaks my stones in the office. So do the guys. There's a photo of me a year ago where I was very scrawny and small. Uh, I stayed consistent going to the gym. So I went from you know 140 soaking wet to 150 and added you know a little bit of muscle. So it's like nice. maybe you could say mini monster. But you know <laughs> I'm definitely not causing any damage in the street, bro. I need someone like you on my team. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! That's awesome, um, Adam. I mean, you, you, what what is it like? I mean, was it a, a piece of advice that you got early on um, that got you into real estate? Um, I mean, if you could go back and tell 20, 20 year old Adam still still in school playing hockey, if you could give him a piece of advice, what would it be? Slow down and, and be patient. Slow down, be patient, but take advantage of your time. I think everybody has heard the statement, opportunity is infinite, time is finite. And even at a young age, I mean, I was like, you have so much time, but at 30 years old, it went by like that. And you know, there's definitely opportunities where we should have talked with other people or I should have networked or went to that meetup or sent that message out on LinkedIn or Facebook. So my advice is to just take action. If you want something at a young age, you're never young enough, right? You could always take action and, and go out there and, and get what you want. Don't don't let anybody's limiting beliefs hold you back. Um, just do what it is you need to do to achieve your goals. Amen. Amen. Hey, Adam, this was an awesome podcast. Thank you for the value. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, absolutely, David. Always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you out in Phoenix, brother. Yep. See you soon. Thanks, bro. Thanks again. All right, everybody, that's our show. If you like what you heard, do us a huge favor and give us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling generous, maybe even tell a friend. Word of mouth helps a lot. If you're interested in being on the show or getting exclusive invites to our Deals and Dollars networking events, you can fill out a form at dealsanddollars.com. That's deals, the letter N, dollars.com. Your hosts were David Choi, Eric Panecki, and John Labretti. The podcast was produced by me, Joshua Perna, with additional editing by Jonas DeHuse and Erwin Castillo. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.